Hello and welcome to another Matchad podcast with me, Mina, where I invite guests to sit on a yoga mat with me, as it were, and share thoughts on all things well-being. My intention is to leave you feeling uplifted and empowered. If you want to know more about my yoga teaching and my book, then please visit my website, minablair.com. This week I'm solo on the mat because I was recently in the Arctic, uh, in northern Norway actually, I wanted to share some thoughts on what I saw and learned there. It's a place I've come to love since seeing the area for the first time, summer of 2020, when I travelled through my native Norway with my daughter. It was absolutely fabulous. We saw loads of beautiful things. And when we came back from that trip, she said that she'd love to see the Arctic in winter because she had never experienced a proper cold, snowy environment which is understandable since she grew up in southern England. I, on the other hand, am familiar with freezing temperatures, having lived in Norway and also in Minnesota in the United States, which, by the way, was the coldest I've ever faced. I remember standing waiting for the school bus, you know, one of those classic American yellow school buses with the green seats, standing there in 30 below zero Celsius, And the school only closed once, uh, I believe, when it hit minus 35. Which is why I live by the Scandinavian adage, there's no such thing as inappropriate weather, only inappropriate clothing. Anyway, so that was the purpose of our Arctic adventure the other week. And as usual, nothing prepares you for the awesome sight that is this raw and rugged landscape, but this time covered in snow. It causes you to just stop and pause and wonder. My last blog was about this feeling of being awestruck, so check it out on the journal page of my website. Luckily, the first few days we were blessed with sunshine, which set the landscape aglow. And like in the summer, everything was bathed in the clearest, unfiltered and undisturbed light. It's as if the Adobe Photoshop sharpening effect is permanently on. It was fun playing tourist and to see more of the area surrounding the city of Tromsø, where we were based. So we signed up to a day trip to a Sami camp to go reindeer sledding and learn about the Sami culture. After a 45-minute bus ride, we arrived at a place in the middle of nowhere a tiny settlement in a wide valley that went on for miles, with mountains on either side. You could say it was uh, it was kind of like a small reindeer farm, and it was run by a Sami couple. So just a word about the Sami people, uh, which, by the way, um, the culture is also called Lap, as in Lapland. So they are an indigenous group, inhabiting Lapland and adjacent areas of northern Norway, Sweden and Finland, as well as the Kola Peninsula of Russia. Norway happens to home most Sami in the world. The total population of Sami in Norway, Sweden, Finland and Russia is estimated to approximately 80,000 people, but about half of them live in Norway. There are three Sami languages, apparently, but the Sami we met said theirs was a mix of Estonian, Hungarian and Finnish. 
So as a Norwegian, I could not understand their language at all. The Sami are the descendants of nomadic peoples who had inhabited northern Scandinavia for thousands of years. But when the Finns entered Finland, uh, apparently around AD 100, Sami settlements were probably dispersed over the whole of that country, and today they are confined to its northern extremity. And in Sweden and Norway, they have similarly been pushed north. But like the indigenous people of North America who lived a nomadic life following bison, the Sami are sustained by reindeer. And on our visit, we got a taste of what this life is like. We had some fun first, though, going for a reindeer sled ride, being pulled through the Arctic landscape and taking in all the glorious views. After that, we went into an enclosure and fed the reindeer herd. These animals are smaller than I expected, to be honest. They were near the size of a large calf and nowhere near the size of a cow, which I think is, is kind of the idea that I had. But you had to watch the horns, though, and take care to not have your eyes poked while holding the bucket of food pellets. Being domesticated, they didn't mind you stroking them, which gave you an opportunity to really feel their ever-so-thick coat. These guys were definitely not feeling the cold. After this, we were invited into a single structure that was like a large hall, where we sat down at benches to have a Sami meal and hear a talk about the culture around the wood-burning stove that was right in the centre of this large room. And this is where we were introduced to the farmer's wife, wearing a very colourful traditional costume. She began by explaining why the bright colours. Well, the obvious practical reason was so that you could see each other better. I mean, the tundra is vast and often featureless. You can easily disappear into the landscape. But more symbolically, she said, the deep red, blue, green and yellow are the colours of the Sami flag, representing fire, the sky, the land and the sun. For the women especially, the variations in the costume denotes your social standing. For example, she wore a beautiful wide leather belt decorated with a row of engraved silver circular discs. This meant she was unmarried. Because when you marry, you make a new belt with squares, so silver squares that were engraved. She laughed, telling us this, saying it perhaps represented being boxed in. Yeah, well, that's a whole other discussion right there. On her feet, she wore reindeer skin boots with the noticeable upturned toe, which is a practical design feature that means that you can attach or loop your boot onto a ski or a snowshoe and tie it fast without having to change your footwear. Very clever. To keep the snow out of the boots, she had wrapped a woven cloth sash around and around the top of the boot and slightly up her leg, again in the four bright colours. Attached to this was a decorative pom-pom, which also had a social signal. Pom-poms facing forward at the front of the leg meant that you were not available, that you were seeing someone, but moved to the side and they signalled a kind of 
open to dating. So in any gathering, it would be clear to the men what the deal was with the women, so he could focus your efforts sensibly. Again, she thought this was terribly funny to explain. She told us that this was a smallish farm of two to three hundred reindeer, but that she was actually one of a large family of 50 members, and they were out on the tundra with a herd of 8,000 reindeer. What a sight that would be! So these animals provide food and materials for clothing and shelter, but transport and herding is now hugely helped by snowmobiles, of course. Having said that, I did see their Sami reindeer herding dog, which does the same job as a sheepdog here. This lady loved being out there in the wild, camping and herding under the vast Arctic sky. She said that it was so peaceful you could lie on the ground, facing up towards the cosmos and hear the silence. The sound of this silence is captured in a descriptive song, which she then sang for us to finish the talk. It was quite mesmerizing, a sort of chanting, but more melodic. I hope you enjoy hearing it at the end of the podcast. So we left feeling very privileged to have met these people and learned about their life and their world. So why am I sharing this story? Well, because I was struck by the confidence, contentment and joy that emanated from this lady and the other Sami people on the farm. I think this is what authenticity looks, feels and sounds like. She was utterly grounded by her culture, the culture's history, the landscape, and these glorious animals. Grounded by the balanced existence between human beings and nature. This sort of fair exchange between people and the land, looking after each other. And both only taking what they need. And also grounded by a natural rhythm of seasons and movement, staying present and working with what there is. I felt it was a place and a life where the ego was not in charge, because to survive you had to work together and help each other. A strong community with shared priorities. She clearly knew who she was and her place in the smaller as well as the bigger picture. I can't imagine her worrying too much about what other people thought of her or counting the number of likes on social media. Or sweating the small stuff. She was tied to the life, yeah, but at the same time, she was freed by it. I'm sure this holds true for all the indigenous peoples of the world, actually. I felt touched and inspired by the energy here, the letting go and surrendering that is required to exist in this way. It's a reminder of how driven and controlled we are by attachment, if we allow it. You know, attached to things, what we have and don't have, focusing on the lacking and wanting more. It's exhausting and leads to a constant state of unease and frustration. As this lady reminded me, contentment comes from within, from feeling the joy of what you already have and not needing or wanting more. And from contentment comes gratitude, gratitude for breathing and being alive. Because when this Sami lady lies on her back on the earth of a tundra night, she is literally counting her lucky stars. 
So I'm thinking, if we could all stop feeling separate, by which I mean stop thinking and behaving like separate individuals, and instead lead with contentment and a joyful awareness of the universal connection to each other and this earth that we share, then perhaps there would be no more wars? See you next time. Yeah, go.